Good morning. We're glad you're here with us. I'm going to pray as we get into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we know this is a time of uncertainty. It seems like we're looking for what the next step is every week. All over our country, there are people asking, God, what is next? What is next for me? What's your will for me? And they may have doubts. Lord, we, we want to look into your word today to see what we need to do to respond to those doubts. You know, whether you think that you're going to be back to normal in five days or six months or 12 years, whatever it is, Lord, we ask that we would see with clarity what your plan is. And we can see that from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm John Mueller, the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church, and I'd like to welcome you here to this morning to our online Sunday morning service. Today we're going to be in the book of Matthew, and Matthew is one of the four Gospels in the New Testament. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11 as part of our series called Recalculating When Plans Change. Sometimes we, we see a situation and it's not as we thought it was. Maybe there's miscommunication or maybe we expect something from someone else that really is not what we should be expecting. At that point, we have to recalculate our response. So if you have our app, we have Sunlight Community Church app. It's in the Apple App Store as well as the Google Play Store. You can click at the link at the top of the feed and follow along with us with notes, announcements, um, and all the information you need. So pick that up on one device, and then on the other device you can watch this video. Today we're going to be talking about to doubt or not to doubt. I'm not very Shakespearean, but that's really the question we have. To doubt or not to doubt. So how does doubt start? You know, I think there's many ways it does, but I think one common way is when someone does not follow through. So people say they're going to do something or be something that they're not, and they won't ever do. So you start doubting. What will they do? Are they going to follow through? What, what's going to happen here? And I have a confession to make. I have made the slide from doubt to cynicism at times. Doesn't the saying go, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, shame on both of us, right? Most of our doubt comes from uncertainty or a history of not following through. And in uncertain times, doubt wells up. Is, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to happen? Because we are living in an uncertain time. A time that we cannot anticipate or forecast into the future much. But in the middle of this, I came to a realization. With all this uncertainty, there's one relationship I can count on. No matter what is happening around us, no matter what is happening in the world, no matter if we lose everything, we still have one relationship we can count on. Because God has kept and will keep his promises. Nothing has changed regarding him. But we encounter doubt coming from us because of difficult situations or maybe we have false expectations on God. And maybe even false expectations on others. We're just like John the Baptist. And maybe you've never heard of the name John the Baptist, but he was a man that was in the wilderness of Israel, in the desert, crying out, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
So if anyone should not have doubt about who Jesus was, it was John the Baptist. But he encountered trials, different trials than most of ours. But then he was also in a difficult situation where he found himself, where we look at Matthew chapter 11. Can you please follow along with me? Starting in verse 1, we're going we're gonna to read the first three verses and then go to the second part of the passage in a moment. Matthew 11 verse 1 says, When Jesus had finished instructing the disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent the word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one that is to come? Or shall we look for another? Whoa. Whoa. Are, are you the one to come, or should we look for another? These are messengers from John the Baptist. He's got some, some doubt, but it's not what we think of doubt. I think sometimes we think of doubt and we, we equate that with unbelief. Doubting in a person of faith is to be expected. Doubting is actually part of having faith. Unbelief is not. Doubt is a sign of faith. We need to know this. Doubt is a sign of faith. Jesus finished teaching the disciples and went on to teach and preach in the cities they were from. They believed who he was and they believed who he says he was. But even the disciples had an impression of Jesus, had expectations on Jesus that weren't totally accurate. Even the most faithful people encounter times when faith is hard. And life feels heavy. You know, I, I think every week as we've gone through the last, say, six weeks, I've had someone come to me and say, I'm having a rough week. I'm just in a funk. I don't know what's going on. And yet those people, most of them, have been the most faithful people I know when it comes to their faith in Jesus and their trust in Jesus. The disciples here would all question who Jesus was between his death and his resurrection. Doubt was, was part of their faithful journey, but not unbelief. As J.C. Ryle says, and I think this is important for us to realize, when we have doubts, it's not that we don't have faith. He says this, doubting doesn't prove that a man has no faith. It doesn't prove that you have no faith, but only that your faith is small. And I would argue, I would add, in the moment. And even when our faith is small, the Lord is ready to help us. He's there to help us. Doubt is not a word that I would have initially used to describe John the Baptist. Doubt might not be a word that you initially describe yourself. But doubt is something that he found himself in. It's, it's where he found himself. It's where we find ourselves many times. Because doubt comes from difficult situations. Doubt comes from difficult situations. It's not something that we, we just encounter on the easy times, but doubt comes from difficult situations. So we need to consider what John the Baptist was going through. Simple as that. He lived in the wilderness. He was following what Jesus called him to do. He proclaimed God's word with boldness. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid of the rulers. He wasn't afraid of anyone around him. He just said what God had called him to say. But think about this. We become disillusioned at that point. Many times we think our faith, everything should work out. And he encountered trials. 
He followed God's plan and he experienced hunger. He experienced physical torment. He experienced emotional struggles while he was in prison. That is the John the Baptist here that is having a moment of doubt. I've been there myself where I've had a moment of doubt where I, I didn't know what to think. My first sermon last fall was on 1 Kings 19, chapter 19. And Elijah is in this passage ready to give up. He just had this great victory and he's ready to give up. He's hiding from his enemies and he even says this. It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life away from me. I'm no better than my father's. I'm no better than my father's. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. It is in those moments that you, that we are ready to give up, but that God gives the most clarity to us when we need it. Doubt leads to hope if it's founded in faith. Difficult situations usually produce doubt, but you don't have to stay there. It's like if you want to just stay in quicksand or do you want to get out of the quicksand? So Paul, or John went to the source and we should too. John said, I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to send my disciples while I'm in prison and I'm going to send them to, to Jesus. So are you going to God when you have doubts? Are you going to him? Just answer the question. Are you going to him when you have doubts? Are you reading the word of God? Are you going to the word of God rather than seeking out advice from the media, flipping through a Facebook feed or a Twitter feed or an Instagram feed? Are you, are you going to the, the source? Are you going to the place that you found faith? John went to the place where he was finding faith. John still struggled with doubt for many other reasons. There was a few camps at that time uh, who thought about different things about Jesus at this point. John the Baptist was in one of them, and there was another camp. Because Jesus cannot be two opposing things, because these were very different things, that leads to unmet expectations. Unmet expectations are where doubt comes from. Doubt comes from unmet expectations. It's as simple as that. You know what's interesting? I think in relationships this happens more often than not. Doubt is produced because we have unmet expectations. Sometimes our expectations, they're not realistic. They're not reasonable. They're not, they're not something that the other person can carry out. But we have those. The same can happen with God. Because, because these two views about who the Messiah was, the one that came to save the Jews, who he was going to be, were in opposition. So there was one group that thought the Messiah would be like Caesar, someone who would bring a revolution that would create a new exodus for God's people, freeing them from the, the rule of the Romans, the evil Romans that have subjugated the people and oppressed the people. But the other one was still focused on something much like that, but, but different in its own way. It was more focused on judgment. Whether or not the Messiah, the one to come, the Savior, the, the one starting the kingdom of God, whether or not he was military, he would pronounce evil or pronounce judgment on evildoers. We have to remember that. Judgment on evildoers. So the, the Romans, the Greeks, the barbarians, even unrighteous Jews, just like Matthew, that we're reading right now, would have been someone that this group would have pronounced judgment on. 
If the Messiah is coming back, he's going to produce judgment. So John the Baptist, which category does he fall in? Which, which side, which viewpoint? He fell in the second category. He thought that the Messiah had to come to judge the evildoers. He had some confusion and some reservations about Jesus. Jesus was not who he thought he should be. He thought Jesus was going to be someone that comes and judges people in the moment, right then, right then and there. But God's a gracious God, a merciful God that gave time for people to receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. And this is something that came from my heart. Are we just like John the Baptist? Wanting God to pronounce judgment on the people that have hurt us in our life? That have wronged us? Or are we focused on God pronouncing judgment on others? Rather than realizing that we ourselves are, are in the same place before God? We've wronged God in ways? Are we focused like the first group maybe? On God delivering us from the restrictions that we, ha- that we have put on us right now. We want to be freed from our oppressors as if we're really oppressed. We live in a time where we can go to the grocery store and there's fresh produce. There's a time in this world where people were getting sick just because they didn't have anything fresh. We need to recalculate. We need to change our mindset. We need to change our plans to be what God has actually intended Jesus Christ to be. Maybe you're like John the Baptist. He was fine with Jesus being the healer. He was fine with Jesus the Savior. But what he was not fine with was not seeing. And sometimes we want to see. I think we all want to see right now, right? We want to see our friends. We want to see each other. We want to see things happening in our community. And some of us are glued to a screen because we want to see things happening. John the Baptist was not fine with not seeing the justice and judgment carried out in his time. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think sometimes we feel that way. And doubt wells up. How is God doing good if he's not taking care of this now? Do you notice how, how kind of self-righteous it sounds? I think it's, it, it's hard in those situations because John the Baptist, he was rotting in prison. Couldn't Jesus come and save him from the terrible situation? He has the power to do it. Why won't he? And we ask those questions. In God's time, not our time, he'll bring justice. And it may not be in this life. It may be in the next. We need to recalculate our expectations. Our expectations need to change. If you're like the first group looking for a military leader to throw off our oppressors, it's even more complicated You want God, and and listen to me, if there's anything this morning that you listen to, you want God to change your circumstances, but you don't want God to change you. Let me let that linger. You want God to change your circumstances, but you don't want God to change you. Jesus didn't come to change our circumstances. He came to change us, transform us. He came to change all of us. You, me. He came to change the entire world. And he has. And he will. He's not leaving us anywhere. He's taking us with him for all of eternity. But let me save you some pain. 
because I've been through this before. We doubt because we have unmet expectations. That's why we doubt. So it might be time to change your expectations of God. You won't have this, this burning bush moment. You might not see all of a sudden the light come down from the clouds. It's almost a sarcastic thing on television now. It's, oh, God talks through clouds and light. You're not going to see that. You might, but you shouldn't be waiting for that to follow God's word. We are limited in our perception of God. We think, God, where are you? But we can't see what's going on, so we must trust what it says in his word. John the Baptist didn't see yet that God was not just changing one point in time of all eternity and liberating his people, but he was redeeming his people for all of time, not just in one moment in Israel. Jesus was the liberator, the king for all eternity, for a kingdom that John didn't see yet. Let us not be like John the Baptist. And yet, Jesus says later that he was the greatest of all that have been born of a woman. He says that later in verse 11, in Matthew 11. And yet, I'm telling you not to be like him. That makes no sense. John was martyred. But don't be like him in this moment of doubt. Because we're going to see that, that Jesus answers this question so clearly And we need to listen to this answer, starting in verse 4. So read along with me, where it says, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news, preach to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Sounds like a lot of evidence, right? If someone came around doing all that, wouldn't you start thinking that it had something to do with God because it couldn't be something from here, from this earth? Jesus asked John's disciples to tell John in prison what they hear and they see. Jesus is showing them the answer to their questions. It's as simple as that. Doubt is confronted with the word of God. Doubt's confronted with the word of God. There's there's no other confrontation to doubt. What does the word of God say about the Savior, the Messiah, the one to come? Jesus is confronting their doubt with the word of God. It is as God said it would be. Do you remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon? Doubt comes from a lack of follow-through many times. God said something was going to happen. It happened. And now he's telling everyone it's happening by saying, see, look at this. It's happened. We have to remember that. John is, as he was many times focused on God saving us with vengeance for how we've been wronged. And and where does John the Baptist get this? What does this look like in the Old Testament? Why would he have had that interpretation? I can tell you just from my experience as a human being, that when someone wrongs me, I want them wronged back. That's my, that's my inner core flesh being, like, that's what I want. So I could say, well, that's, that's how it is. But really, it's from Old Testament passages, a prophecy about the Messiah. From Isaiah 35. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4 through 6a, 
says, say to those who have an anxious heart. John the Baptist had an anxious heart. So insert your name there. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Now say your name. Be strong and fear not. Be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. When the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf be stopped, shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Jesus is reminding us and reminding John that he came to save. And it's not going to be fully realized right now. So if you're anxious about the world right now, which many of us are, you might be asking, Jesus, where are you? Maybe you don't know Jesus at all and you're going, I just flipped through my Facebook feed or I flipped on YouTube and I found this video. Where's Jesus? But Isaiah says here, and this is the very words of God, be strong and fear not. There's nothing to be anxious about because I am with you. Jesus was producing miracles. It was the start of the kingdom, but not the completion. And we're just like John the Baptist many times, impatient for God to do something. God, do it now. God, do it now. You know, there's a point in life where I think something changes. Early on in life, you're waiting for that next birthday. Oh, I want to turn 16. I want to turn 18. I want to turn 21. I want to turn 30. And then all of a sudden, you want to turn 30 again for the next 60 years, okay? And so there's this point where it's not as much fun looking into the future. It's not as exciting. And we are impatient for the future But there's a point where we start realizing, and I think this is a maturity point, we start realizing that we shouldn't be impatient about what God's going to do. Because Jesus does add something here that we miss. He adds something to Isaiah's prophecy that that we miss if we're not looking closely at it. The poor are having the good news preached to them. This needs to happen before judgment. The poor in spirit. Right now, there's a lot of people poor in spirit because we're all isolated in our homes. We go to work, we come back. Maybe we, don't, we lost our job. Whatever it is, whatever situation we have, there's a varying spectrum of how much change. And there could be a lot of change or there could be almost no change. And the more change that's happened, the more likely that you're, you're anxious right now. But I'm going to tell you something that you might have heard before. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. Something that I think we need to be aware of is Jesus called John the Baptist, I, I, I love this phrase, the best born of a woman man, best born of a woman man, later. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but it's so important here to realize that that's the bar, that's the standard that, that is there. If it's okay for him to have a period of doubt, I'm sure it's okay for us to have periods of doubt, to have seasons of doubt. But most importantly, if we doubt like John because of difficult situations, let us give Jesus the benefit of the doubt. This type of doubt that says, you know what, Jesus has followed through in the past and he's going to follow through again. Rather than saying, he's not going to, no, no way. John sought Jesus out to clarify what he was experiencing because it didn't match up with expectations. He didn't walk away in doubt. So that's something we can do. We can slide towards unbelief. But he went to the word of God. He went to the source. Whenever someone's in conflict, I tell them, go to the source. 
Don't talk to me about it. Go to the source. That's so important. We need to go to the source. When we don't confront doubt with the word of God, we move towards unbelief. We must doubt like John. I know it sounds weird to say we must doubt like John the Baptist, but go to Jesus and God's word for answers. That's what he did. That's what he did right away. There's one more thing that confronts doubt. Doubt is confronted with joy. And you may say, where's joy in this passage? It's not there. The last verse says, and blessed is the one that is not offended by me. A lot of people are offended by Jesus. You know, I was reminiscing back, going back into the 90s where it was almost rebellious to be like, oh, I like Jesus. You know, in, in Christian music, there was all these songs about, oh, I, I, I like Jesus and I'm a rebel. And the reality is now it's slid in the other direction where the world is trying to make Jesus irrelevant when he's more relevant than ever. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we have joy that can't be offended by Jesus, by his message. When trusting Jesus doesn't make sense, there will be points where it doesn't make sense. We need to recalculate. We need to confront our doubts with the joy we found in Jesus. Right now, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable. I've been struggling day to day to find joy. I didn't realize how much I value human interaction. But I started to realize last week where this was coming from. I was doubting that God was going to provide all I need, no matter what the circumstances were around me. I was losing joy and gaining doubt. So I I want to I tip the equation the other direction. So I, I had forgot that God's plans are higher and greater than mine and that from my first breath, God has known my entire life. So we have to realize what the alternative is. We either confront doubt with joy and follow Jesus or we're offended and reject him and slide toward unbelief. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus to save your soul, there is no better time to confront doubts with you, that you have with God's word and joy. So take, take a spectrum. If there's doubt and joy and they're on opposite ends, let's slide towards joy because joy is the thing that we need to confront our doubt with. We all have come to a point at some point in our life where we want to get, for God to change us rather than our circumstances. If you're not there yet, and you're saying, God didn't answer this prayer or answer that prayer. God wants to change you from the inside. And sometimes he's not going to respond and change your circumstance. I, I think, I think we, we forget what difficult circumstances bring us to. Time to show our faith. That God is going to be who he says he is. He's going to be faithful and just. So now we may be asking, so what? Doubt is a sign of faith that comes during difficult situations and from unmet expectations. Some of us are in a difficult spot right now. You might be. Some of us, it's same old, same old. And you might be right in there right now. Why do some of us struggle more with doubt? Oz Giznes shares this about doubt and belief. To believe is to be of one mind about accepting something as true. To be of one mind, you're unified, you're focused, you believe it's true. To disbelieve is to be of one mind about rejecting it. And to doubt is to waver back and forth 
between the two to believe and disbelieve at once and be, be in two minds. We have a, a choice to make in difficult situations and with unmet expectations. Doubt, waver from our belief, maybe be the person that wants God to only change our situation but not change us, or we have a choice. We can dive deeper into our faith in Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus is who he says he is, who it says he is in his word, the resurrected Savior that's coming back for us. I can't think of anything more hopeful right now. No matter what's happening in the world around us, Jesus is coming back for us. The other part of this, this, this so what, is what do I do with that doubt? How do I confront it? Doubt is confronted with the word of God and joy. When we waver, we need to go back to the source of our faith. The word of God, Jesus Christ. Are we taking in and receiving the promises God has fulfilled and will fulfill for his children? Are we taking those in? Are we just, is it one ear and out the other? Is it like it is with children sometimes? You tell them to do something or you encourage them to do something as a parent and they go off and do the opposite thing. They run and go somewhere else. They run into the road or whatever it is. Are we living life with joy that cannot be taken from us? Even if we get in the pit of a Middle Eastern prison like John the Baptist, whatever your pit is, even if you're in the middle of that pit, do you still have joy? If I were to describe one emotion I see most since COVID-19 started spreading out all over the world, it's doubt. Doubt about the future, doubt about God's faithfulness, doubt about where jobs are going to be in the future, doubt about when school's going to start again, doubt about what started this whole thing. But I can tell you one thing right now, without reading any news, listening to another human being, God knows what happened. So we're left like John the Baptist asking this question to Jesus. Are you the one or is there another? So I'm going to ask you. Have you asked Jesus that question? Are you the one? The one that's come to save us from everything. COVID-19 could be anything. Could be the loss of a job. Are you the one that's come to save us? If your faith in, is in Jesus, he's the one. He's the one. There is no other. There never will be. There never was. It's only Jesus. So this question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is, are we confronting doubt with the word of God and joy? Are we confronting doubt with the word of God and joy? And like my Shakespearean start was, the question is, to doubt or not to doubt? So what are you going to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know from listening to your word, from having joy if we've received salvation from Jesus Christ, that you are the one constant in a world full of change. God, in this passage, I must confess, I will confess, but I know People watching are going to feel the same thing. We have doubts sometimes. 
But help us to be like John the Baptist and go to the source and confront our doubt with the word of God. While things may be uncertain, God, you are certain. You are good. You are faithful. God, you have done more than we could ever ask or ever will ask. God, help us to see the bigger picture. Grant us a glimpse of what we in this time can understand and know. Alleviate our doubt. Let us not waver to unbelief, but move towards belief. And if anyone watching this has not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray over them that they would. As their Savior, as their Lord, as the one that much like John the Baptist asked, are you the one or is there another? Jesus is the one. Let it be the one for all of us. We say this in Jesus' name, amen.